Hi, this is Chris, and this is a special or at least a different episode of the Bible Study Podcast. I had a chance this week to preach at my church. Uh, we're in between pastors right now, and so I was called to come in, and so I'm going to be playing the sermon that I gave, but first I want to tell you the lessons that we used. The epistle lesson was from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through chapter 4, verse 5, and it goes like this. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work." In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. And then from Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, the parable of the persistent widow. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? For those of you who don't know me, I'm Chris Christensen. I've been coming to Bethel now for about 35 years, but I have not preached in uh, about five years. Uh, Thanks to the Executive Committee for inviting me here this morning. I know that it's five years because I was talking to Janice Martinson last weekend, and she said, I'm so glad to hear you preaching, and you always love to hear that, right? No matter who you are, that's always good news. And she said, and I remember what you said last time. Even better. She said, you preached about being in the awkward in-between because we were in between pastors at the time. (laughs) So I'm back. (laughs) Um, I should tell the executive committee I might have more than one sermon in me, I just for the record. Uh, In between time, I teach about two Bible studies a week, uh, one at Juvenile Hall and one online. So since I've been preaching here, I've done about 500 Bible studies. So I would just advise you that it might be useful to have a, your pew Bible nearby as we go forward this morning. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, please let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Amen. So when I came up with the topic today of So What Now?, 
Um, I did have somewhat in mind the elephant in the room, or rather the llama in the room, that Pastor Ben's last Sunday was last Sunday. But I am going to try and convince you that the lessons that we're using this morning, which come from the lectionary, I did not pick these, these were picked decades ago for this Sunday, that in those lessons, the disciples of Jesus were asking this same question. That will might be my challenge here over the next couple hours as I'm talking to you to see if I can convince you of that. You may have noticed that in Timothy's lesson, in the lesson from 2 Timothy, it starts with this awkward phrase, but as for you. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm at home and Joan starts a conversation with but or so, She is not beginning a conversation. She is continuing a conversation we have been having, whether or not I noticed that we were having that conversation. So it is always useful when you see one of these phrases like therefore or then or but to try and find out the context, and we're going to do that in a minute. But first I want to turn to the gospel lesson because this is an interesting one because in Luke, Luke starts with the punchline. Luke starts with what we don't usually get when we get a parable, which is Luke tells us why Jesus told this story. He says right up front, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always be praying and not give up. It's always nice to know the punchline first, although it doesn't work as well in comedy. But I skipped over a a word there, right? I skipped over then. Why did Jesus feel at this time in his ministry that the thing his disciples needed to know was that they should always be praying and never give up. So I'm going to flip back a page to Luke 17. What was Jesus talking about just before this passage? And it goes like this, the coming of the kingdom of God. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them, for the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. So he's telling them about his coming again, which is good news. But what has to happen before that happens? He has to go away. In fact, he's been telling them in Luke that he's going to go away, and he's been telling them he's going to die already by this point in the Gospel of Luke. And he's saying that in the the middle, between those two events, it's going to be confusing. Some people are going to say Jesus is over there. Some people are going to say Jesus is over there. Some people are going to say the kingdom of God is over here, and then some are it's over there. And he says, relax. The kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is where two or more are gathered in his name. But when you're in that time of confusion, when you're in that middle, at this point, he decided to tell them a parable. And why does he decide to tell them a parable? 
So that was not a rhetorical question. Why did he decide to tell him a parable? What is, what is, why is Jesus going to tell this parable? So that they would know they should always be praying and never give up. So he tells them a story of the unrighteous judge. Now, if we looked at the Old Testament and all of the verses that had to do with being a judge, we would see that justice was intended to be meted out fairly. We have statues of justice blindfolded, the idea being that it doesn't matter who is coming before you, you, you look at the merits of the case. You do justice. You do the right thing. You decide the right thing. The judge in this particular case, not that guy. This is an unrighteous judge. This judge is going to decide who wins this case based on who gives him the biggest bribe. That's what's implied here by being an unrighteous judge. So this woman who comes into this story, this widow, who we imply from this text is a poor widow, is going to lose her case because she doesn't have the money to bribe this judge. That's the context here. But she has one thing her adversary does not have. She is relentless. She is persistent. She comes to the judge and she asks for justice and she comes to him and she asks and she comes and she asks and she does not give up. Until finally he says, enough. Enough. You win. I don't care about what God says. I don't care about what you want. I will give you your justice if you will just go away. And Jesus says, how much more so then will the God who loves us, the righteous judge, the king of kings, listen to our prayers? And I've been thinking a lot about prayer this week. Um, Prayer has not always been something that I have been able to do regularly. In recent years, I've gotten better about it. One of the things I have learned is that if I put it on my to-do list that I look at every day of all the things I'm trying to get done, and I have to either check it off or admit to myself I didn't do it, that I'm better at getting to my prayers. And I also have a separate list in here, which is all the things, all the people that I'm praying for, all the situations that I'm praying for, so that I don't forget some of those. Many coming out of our bulletin this morning or from similar places. And one of the things I have noticed is that many of my prayers change over time. I think of prayers recently that have turned from prayers for healing to prayers for thanksgiving for healing that is in progress. I think of Laura's uh, thyroid, for instance, that we've been praying for. I think of uh, Rob Beckman's leg that he broke. And some of the prayers that I've been praying have also changed, but they've changed from prayers of healing to prayers for those who are mourning, someone who hasn't been healed. I think of my prayers for this place for years now, at least four years I've been praying for for Bethel, and then I've also been praying for Pastor Ben and Rachel and their family. And those prayers go on, but they are now separate prayers. Um, More specific for Bethel as we're in this time of transition and for Ben and Rachel as they deal with Rachel's cancer. But it shouldn't surprise me that prayers change over time 
Because despite the fact that I tend to think of prayer sometimes as a to-do list, prayer is really meant to be that conversation that we have with God, where we tell God what is on our heart and we learn more of what is on the heart of God. And so as that relationship goes forward, prayers will change. As the things that are on our hearts change, prayers will change. Now, I don't want to forget about Timothy. I'm going to go back there for a bit because we, I left you with that awkward phrase, but as for you. Paul is talking to Timothy in the second letter he wrote. Timothy, who he greets at the beginning of this letter with my son. Uh, his spiritual son, this is the mentor of Timothy. It's a pastoral letter. And around the section, the awkward section they picked for the lectionary, they picked a, a section of Timothy from the end of chapter 3 and the beginning of chapter 4. The surrounding it are two different verses that I think you should know. First, in front of it, we find Paul talking about the end times. And he says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And aren't you glad you don't know anybody like that? And then right after that section that we have today, we get this verse. For I am being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. As Paul writes this letter that we read that section of today, Paul is looking forward to his imminent execution at the hands of Rome. Paul won't live that much longer. And so he writes to Timothy in this context of, you're going to be in this world where not everybody loves God. Not everybody is obedient to God. Not everybody is doing the right thing. And by the way, like in the verse we had in Luke, you're going to be in that verse without me. My story here is wrapping up. And in the midst of that context is when he writes what we read today, but as for you, what should you do when you find yourself in that world and without me? And he says, and I'm skipping over some of my favorite verses in this whole section here, which talk about the scriptures and the use of the scripture and how scripture is God-breathed, and I would normally be preaching on that. But the context here makes me focus on the words that I hadn't noticed as much before, where Paul tells Timothy, continue. Continue on what you have learned and have been convinced of, because you know that those from whom you learned it. And then further on, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Do the work of the evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. So Paul is basically saying, if you find yourself in this situation, in this uncomfortable situation, where everything is not going in the direction of the kingdom of God, if you find yourself there without me, carry on. 
Keep doing the ministry that you've been called to. He says, Timothy, teach, preach, admonish, correct, encourage. And let people know about the love of God that, has, that we know. Do the work of an evangelist. That's what that means. So I don't find it that difficult at this point to take those verses and apply them to where we find ourselves right now in a time period that we're going to be going through here for the next while. <laughs> I don't know how long. Where we may, like in the, factor, in the verses in Luke, not even know whether we're in the right place. We might not know whether the kingdom of God is somewhere else. But we are told by Jesus that the kingdom of God is in our midst and to pray. And so it is my prayer to continue to pray for this congregation, these people of God. I want to say this place, but it's not the place, it's the people that make up Bethel. To continue to pray and not give up. And I'm encouraged by Paul in his letter to Timothy that when you find yourself in a situation where the world seems a little screwed up to keep doing the ministry to which you have been called. And I, this place is continually called to the ministry. We've had Pastor Ben with us for four years to work alongside us in that ministry, not to work for us or us to, for him, but to work in that ministry we share together. And we are continued to call to preach, to teach, to encourage, to correct, rebuke if necessary, and to share the love of God that we have been given. And I'd like to challenge you with something this morning. Uh, one, I'd like to challenge you as the lesson here from Luke that we pray for Bethel. Um, and I know that not all of us are in the habit of praying every day. That, that can be a difficult habit to get into. I would encourage you to get into that habit. Uh, to pray for Bethel every day. But if you can't, if, if you can't commit to that yet, as we're in this awkward middle, I would encourage you to pray on Wednesdays. Can we do that? Can we set aside Wednesday as a day when we'll pray for and remember Bethel in our prayers? While we're in this middle, on that middle day of the week, no one's favorite day necessarily, um, a day where we may have uncertainty and we may face difficulties just as the disciples did in both of these different texts, can we remember to pray for Bethel? Will you do that with me? Sure. Amen. Amen. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. Sis, if you've experienced pain in your father-daughter relationship, I want you to know that you are loved and seen. I'm Kia Stevens, host of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and I created my show to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. Join me for encouragement, wisdom, and scripture. Just search Hope for Women with Father Wounds on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.